seems that a lot of guys who uh, would be violent towards women are violent be- towards them because they feel entitled to do so. It starts with the way we raise our kids, um, especially the way that a father would teach a son um, how to treat a woman. You know, more united families, uh, you know, where they're putting a limitation, they're making access to pornography difficult. We need to eviscerate those aspects of culture that patronize and that continually subjugate women. This is not going to turn around unless things come to an absolute standstill and we start addressing this by saying, how do we fix this? If you're wondering why you're hearing male voices on a show called Hungry Woman at Work, don't be alarmed. Today's show is going to sound and feel a lot different than usual, but please keep listening anyway. Hello and welcome to episode 17. I am Navila Malloy and today's topic is, quite frankly, a horrible topic. I honestly wish it was something we'd never have to talk about on this show. And I wish it didn't form part of so many of our stories as women who are really just trying to thrive. Today we are talking about gender-based violence, women abuse, violence against females and the vulnerable. Whatever you call it, however we label it, it leaves a horrible taste and it makes us feel sick to the core. Someone once told me that conversations around gender-based violence shouldn't be driven by women. In fact, one of the guests on today's show says that stopping GBV is not a woman's issue at all. It's a men's issue, he says, as men are by and large the perpetrators of violence against women. So I thought it might be interesting to hear from a few men who actively want to change the narrative around toxic masculinity. And then also to hear from an organization that's using their skills to support and empower both the victims of GBV and the community around them. Now, one episode is not enough to cover this topic. And by no means have we given a chance for all the voices to be heard that need to be heard. But it's a start of a series of conversations that we all need to keep on having and rehaving and having again. It's a start for those of us who want to be part of the solution. I realize that this conversation may be triggering for some of our listeners. And I salute you, my sister, for the courage you have to live out each day. Like you, I dream of a country, gosh, even of a world, where women feel safe to roam the streets and where we feel safe in our own homes, not oppressed by the hands that are meant to love us. And I'm grateful that we can use this show to have the kinds of conversations that get us closer to that dream. Here's my interview with Beverly Gumede, Jakub van Skalkwijk, and a few of the men who've said, it stops with me. Welcome to Hungry Women at Work, Beverly Gumede and Jakub van Skalkwijk, our first ever man on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Beverly, um, you are a legal officer at Lawyers Against Abuse, and we'll speak a bit more about your role a bit later. And Jakub van Skalkwijk, you're the founder of the character company. And as I say to you, and now also to our listeners, today's episode of Hungry Women at Work is a little bit different. 
um, mainly because number one, we've got our first man on the show, which we've never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and but usually, hungry women at work is for the woman who wants to thrive at work without losing her soul. But for many women, they are really being inhibited from thriving in their work and in their lives because of the scourge of rampant abuse and violence against women and particularly against children. And over the last couple of months, we've seen a national outcry, like I think probably like we haven't seen before in South Africa. Mm. And there certainly seems to be a lot more of a commitment to people wanting to speak out and do something differently. But um, I'm always intrigued that the conversation largely flares up around Women's Month and then again at 16 Days of Activism. And when you see these, um, you'll see a comment like, can't believe this happened in Women's Month. And Mm. you're like, oh, okay, so was it okay to happen in June or September, but not, there's a sacredness around this month. And I think um, for South Africa, for, for people in South Africa, we've got this incredible resilience that's both our strength and our weakness. So we can overcome horrific things, but then just as easily we can tell ourselves we need to move on from something. And I think when it comes to this specific issue, um, we cannot do business as usual. We simply cannot just continue and get over it as we did before. So thank you for joining me and our listeners here today. And Beverly, um, you are with Lawyers Against Abuse. So maybe just tell us a bit more about what your organization does. Sure. Um, So Lawyers Against Abuse is a nonprofit that operates um, primarily in the community of Deep Slot. So we have started working there since 2014. We um, we did a study and we saw that um, Deep Slot has some of the highest levels of gender-based violence in the country. And from that study then we then got a center started through amazing funders. So we assist um, survivors and victims of gender-based violence with free legal and psychosocial support. Um, so our work is threefold. We Yes, legal, we go to court, we help with protection orders with a medium between the client and the criminal justice system. And then our psychosocial support is in the form of therapy and other group interventions. And then our community work, we go into schools and clinics and other places that will take us and we teach and do workshops about gender-based violence. So. We're based on Deep Slut. Um, we're hoping in the year 2020 to have our second center. Um, so yeah, that is the aim right now. Great. So Yaku, you are the founder of the character company whose motto is raising boys to be good men. Mm, Tell us right. a bit more. So the character company is a long-term mentorship program for young boys that are growing up with absent fathers or have no positive male role models in their lives. So essentially we realized that there's a, there's a time of high impact there where, where a dad would play a very pivotal role in the lives of his children and because of what we're facing in our country and, and probably across the world, but you know, in our country specifically, is that we have a lot of um, absent fathers. And as a result of that, we have that impact is lost in the family foundations. Right. And so we've got, we've got boys growing up with, without value systems, without guidance, without input, and a lot of frustration, and there's no one along the line to guide them. And that just um, essentially raises a culture of abuse and violence that we have in our country, and that has to stop. And so we are, um, we are working in that space. We are 
We are, we are fighting for the hearts of every young boy out there to make sure that it is protected and molded and shaped um, so that he can turn out to understand who he is. He's got strong identity and therefore understand that the kind of person he wants to be is important. Mm-hmm. It's, not that, it's not who you are, it's who I want to be so that we can, so that you don't have to work so hard. Yeah. Sure. So, that, yeah. so that we don't sure. have to deal with these issues. So that everybody doesn't have to go out there and try and do all this impossible stuff yes. in such dangerous spaces because it shouldn't be existing. Sure. I like that. I like the the way that it's thinking preemptively because I think most of the initiatives are really just reactive, you mm-hmm. know, instead of like let's start changing the foundations. So I opened up this conversation also to um, a number of men. Um, I sent out a question um, and said, in which ways do you think we could work to eradicate the scourge of gender-based violence and violence against women in particular. And so part of the show is I'm going to play some of the sounds and we're going to have a conversation around those. And I, I just want to kick us off with, with one of the comments. And this is from James Morrow. I would think a good starting point is to realize that gender-based violence is not a, it's not an event. It's not one single thing that happens in isolation. It's probably a process, um, a process that involves so many, so many different, um, yeah, it, or it has so many different facets, uh, you know, and it, and it can start with with something as, as silly as, as touching a woman inappropriately or against her will or, or you know, catcalling or, or making an inappropriate uh, or, or, or sexist comment. Uh, yeah, and, and, and we actually just need to get to the point where we, where we need to arrest the process at, at different stages. Um, what, what that entails is, is very difficult because I think different things will be applicable to different people and will work for different people. I mean, whether that's, you know, just improving our basic socioeconomic uh, environment, uh, you know, better, better parenthood, um, you know, more united families, uh, you know, whether putting a limitation, they're making access to pornography difficult. You know, I, I think it's very difficult to to uh, single out one specific issue. Um, yeah, so so important to identify it as a multifaceted thing that different solutions would work for different people. And then also to realize that it's not a, it's not a, a isolated event, you know, it's, it's very often, it's a process. Um, yeah, and that process can be uh, arrested at different stages. Okay, uh, yeah, and then I think just, just having a conversation about it and, and be trying to put yourself in an environment where, where these things could be talked about. Because um, I think there's a lot of things, especially as a man, that we say and do that we don't even that we don't even realize. Um, and, and yeah, it's perhaps time to just do a bit more listening. Let's kick off there. This whole concept of different things will work for different people and different solutions. Beverly, what types of different solutions have you found um, in your work in the community? Sure. So we've we've had to be very flexible in the way that we approach gender-based violence. So we found that um, no one just wakes up and wants to be an abuser. Sure. So yeah, we, yeah. We need to approach um, gender-based violence in a way that we honor the fact that something has happened to that person in order for them to get to where they are now. Correct. So our work, even though very central to women, um, is also mindful of the fact that there are men in the picture as well. So we, within our, our workshops, we try to teach about the different um, ideologies around gender-based violence. So misogyny and patriarchy come up. 
And we, we, we have to approach these topics knowing full well that the people that we're teaching go back into a community and still encounter men as they go about. Sure. How yeah. do you then um, encounter the gender that you believe is against you um, when you've suffered something? Yeah. So our work... Um, from our, our, our workshops, our, our group work, then we then refer our clients to our individual therapies. So our individual therapies, either with a social worker or drama therapist. So the social worker does narrative therapy and our drama therapist does play therapy and movement therapy, depending on the person's wants and needs. Mm. So then we've triggered something and then we cover you. And okay. then as well, we also ensure that with what we've triggered, we've informed you of what this is and how to cope around it. Hmm. Fear of the situation, fear of GBV gets you nowhere. Hmm. But knowledge that there is a, something that you can do can get you far. And that's what we need to do in our communities. Hmm. We need to empower communities to know that they can do more um, like and that. they can step up. So we also then teach on, if you hear your neighbor screaming, do something. Call mm. another neighbor, call your CPF. Our community is a community of shack dwellers. So the shack is very close to you. Yeah, you can hear, you hear what's going on. Very yeah. well. And for you to keep quiet means that you're keeping quiet and you could very well be the next victim. And not don't just do something because, because you're scared, you, yes, but do something yes. because it's happening and do something to prevent it from happening ever again. Yaku, your side? Um, I think it's obviously important to acknowledge that gender-based violence is not, not just against women. Mm. Um, so you're going to encounter those, um, those cases where, you, you know, what do you do with that? Mm. And I think that, you know, the, the challenge here is that we are, we are trying to, in a way, I want to say overanalyze the whole thing because the core of this is that we need a society that is just kinder to each other. Mm. I mean, essentially, when mm. you boil this down, um, you know, we can come with all kinds of different things, but at the end of the day, if we don't start doing um, and stop, stop talking, then this is not going to end. Right. I mean, you, you, you mentioned right. earlier, you know, the, the amazing thing about our country is that we are, you know, we, we overcome things. Mm. Well, we're not overcoming this. Not um, at all. Yeah. And, not at all. Uh, and we are trying to get over it, and we are not going to get over it either. Um, but the one thing that worries me about our society is that it's never enough. So mm. we, they, they, they will never be a point. And, and you know, and I said this, um, I, uh, I got angry enough to send the president a message um, a while <laughs> back, which, of course, he ignored. But um, uh, because we are a country with an absent father, and that's, that's, this is part of what we're struggling with here, sure. is that we are, that, you know, w when this flares up, there's a lot of talk about it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of talk is because people like the limelight. So, you know, there's a lot of debating. And, and when I hear the word debating in Parliament, I just want to think, what, are, what, what you know, we're wasting time. If you want to debate, then get some of our mentors in there and we can fix this. Sure. Um, because, you know, I always say, you know, in 20 to 30 years, we will not have this problem because we're, we're raising a generation of boys who will be in Parliament and will fix this. They will oh, put an end to this. But yeah. we don't have 30 years because what we've seen is how much damage we can cause in a in, day, in five minutes yes. in our country. Mm. And the fact that this all came up and we were all outraged. And, and I, you know, the reality is that we all knew it was going to blow over and it's, you know, 
There's, there's the nothing. Yeah, yeah, this is such a crisis, and yeah. it, sh it should have stopped us in our tracks. And what it should do is that it should bring the right people to conversation, which is men. Yeah. Men need to start taking part in this conversation, and in that holistic approach, we need to find different angles. But it has to come down to the fact that we have to start being kind. It's like Beverly said when you when you it's when you hear that situation next door to you, because this doesn't just happen there; it happens everywhere. Yes. we are an unkind society to each other everywhere. We are ignoring each other's plight. We are ignoring each other we are self-centered in so many ways yes. that I don't want to hear about your problem because I'm just so tired of my own <laughs> and yeah. so I, I don't care about what happens in my, in my neighbor's house and which just means that that impact is going to come around in some way because I'm also thinking that it doesn't affect me which is like I'm mm. in such denial because that does affect me I mean it affects me and I have I have a I have a job here I have a responsibility as a citizen of this country regardless of how I feel about what goes on my responsibility is to to be there and to be kinder to the other person, regardless if I in my mind justifies if that person deserves it or not. By pu purely the fact that this is my mission in life, that God has asked me to be this, I have to be that kind of person. Sure. And that's where we have to start. Sure. Action. I mean, this is not going to turn around unless things come to an absolute standstill and we start addressing this by saying, how do we fix this? Because what Baby yeah. also said there is very true, that, you know, the... the I mean, pick a story, uh, you know, the 15-year-old the, the or the 17-year-old that has just been part of a gang raped or stabbed the 8-year-old to death in the bathroom at school. You know, that 15-year-old that 10 years ago was a 5-year-old yes. with an absent father. He was a 5-year-old who got ignored by his community, ignored by the positive male role models in his community that didn't want to get involved. Now we're ready to get involved. Now we want to shout and, you know, and throw stones and like, look at the behavior. Yes. My goodness, maybe it was my neighbor's son. That, that I ignored. Yeah. I've got, I mean, I, I, my hand was on that knife. My hand was holding down that goal. That, that's, what, that's what we're not thinking about here because I, yeah. I don't want to deal with that stuff. And it is important that we start, you know, just catch a wake up on the reality of this because it is unbelievably destructive to everything around us. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I really like what you said about this. You're looking at the 15-year-old, but 10 years ago, where did this start? And both of you have, have spoken about that. And what, uh, two of our listeners actually spoke to that. So I just want to play you comments from Lereko Tsolwane and Brandon Lowe. I believe where it starts uh, is one with education. I think it's good uh, to educate uh, children uh, from a young age about what is appropriate, how to uh, solve issues using words and negotiation or process uh, as opposed to, to violence. I think um, uh, helping people to process that the next step isn't violence, the next step can be empathy, can be communication, can be curiosity. Uh, there's many other options in terms of bridging gaps of misunderstanding and doesn't have to be violence. I think the next step is addressing the issue of entitlement. Uh, it seems that a lot of guys who uh, would be violent towards women are violent towards them because they feel entitled to do so, because there's no repercussions, uh, because they feel it is their right or God-given right, or because they feel like they are above a woman. Um, and so uh, if we as a society can uphold one another's giftings, uh, one another's um, strengths, uh, to recognize that I have a particular set of strengths, a woman has a particular set of strengths, and neither is inferior to the other, but they can both be complementary and brought to the same table, they can achieve a lot. And so 
we need to view women not as inferior people in society, uh, but as people who are just as uh, entitled or uh, have just as many as much right to breathe the same air as as any man. I think if it starts there. The 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 other thing is also just helping girls to understand their own worth, to embrace it, and to even fight for it. Some of the women who are who suffer from from this kind of violence do so because they 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 don't believe that they deserve any better well on the question of how do we eradicate gender-based violence i personally think it starts at home um, and it starts with the way we raise our kids um, especially the way that a father would teach a son um, how to treat a woman and how to respect a woman and that cannot be said it can only be taught it can only be taught by what we see and if I reflect back on how my father treated my mother um, I always got, got a sense that he loved her and he treated her with respect and and honor and he would protect her at all costs um, and she'd always know that she's protected and loved but she had a voice they spoke they shared things they worked together it was never an oppressive relationship it was never a relationship where i saw that my dad withheld things from my mother whether it was affection or money or anything like that so i believe it starts at home because if it starts at home that is why i believe the way that i treat my wife is because of what i've seen at home and the way I treat women in the workplace is because of what I've seen at home and what I've experienced. So I think that for me is the ultimate and the most important um, part of where we need to start. It is at home. Yeah, I think both of these listeners are saying exactly what you guys have been saying, that it it really starts way back when. Yaku? I mean, you can do days of shows just around those two calls. <laughs> um, I think, you know, as I'm just listening to that, I do agree it starts at home. Our problem is that four out of five boys in our country right now do not have positive male influence at home. So how do we fix it there um, when we don't have it? So it has to start somewhere. Our heart really is that every boy in this country should have a, 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 a positive male influence in his life, and it should be his dad first. Um, but it's not right now, so that yeah. has to be fixed. So we need to get a we need to get a character company mentor, a, a fat guy, faithful, available, and teachable, <laughs> out there to each one of these boys. That's that's how it's going to be. The action for that is what's going to fix this. But where do we find these fat guys? I oh, think man. that's that's. Yes. I mean, that's like the the biggest question. Yeah. Ask any. Any single woman right now in South Africa, she'll say, where, where do I find, yeah. well, she doesn't say a fat guy, she'll just say, where, is it? where do I find a good, <laughs> a good guy? guy. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's a hard thing. And, it, you know, for us, it, it has to start with with someone that's faithful. You know, when, when, we, go, when we talk to, to guys that, that understands that this has to be fixed. And, and can you make that commitment? That has got that, that, that is, that in a sense, they don't know how to, but this is a forum that we, we can work together. So the character company, we're creating that space for men where they can actually be part of that. Because the, the previous caller there said that, you know, uh, and that's the other big part of this, this is an education. So education is mentorship. Um, it's discipleship. It's, it's being out there and walking a road. Because what we're doing as a society, again, is we are being absent from the lives of our young people, from our young boys. Then they start walking in a direction and then we've got the, the arrogance to go, the what are you doing there? Yeah, yes. well, why, why are you over there? And we're not thinking that they should go like, well, where else must I be? No one, no one's guiding me. And perhaps I'm there mm-hmm. because that's the example you're showing me where I should be. So what, what am sure. I doing with that? And, um, and so a big thing here is education. And w- what we really should have is we should have a values-based curriculum in our school. Mm. Every child should be mm. taught how 
to not just because you can't just do skills without character development because yes. what we're having in our country right now um, and I don't want to pick on any specific um, career but let's say I am a um, you know I'm a, I'm a great doctor um, you know in my skill but I am you know, I'm a really bad guy <laughs> from my character point of view. I, I have this amazing skill, whatever career you pick, but I'm, you know, but, but I'm an abuser and I'm a rapist. Yeah. Is that what we're raising as a society? As so long should, as I've got the skills to do the yes, job, it doesn't matter what... Because I, my identity is, is, is tied to that skill. Based. Because I see the nice car, I see the, all the stuff that is going to fix my, the broken identity I have. Mm. And I think, you know, f for me, that is one of, the, one of the biggest things. You know, growing up with an absent father, for me, the, the, the biggest thing that affected my identity is that I wasn't taught the heart of God. And that is, ultimately, if I understood that, I would have understood my identity. And if my identity is settled, um, then, then the rest I understand. If my identity is fixed, I don't have to go and be part of a gang or rape a girl or steal something to prove to the other guys out there who I am because I would know who I am. And if we, we, have to, we have to start changing the heart. So if we change the heart, we provide the tools, which in the character company we've got five very strong values that we, that we impart, then we do behavioral change. That's, it's actually that easy <laughs> if we can just get the guys to be there to raise the next generation. Sure. I mean, I, I like that you say it's actually that easy because it's not that we don't have solutions. It's just why are we not able to implement them? And I mean, Beverly, in your side of things, when this issue of identity and the outworking of identity on behavior, how are you seeing... Um, how are you able to work in that space? What are you able to change in terms of the personal belief system that both those who've been the victims of abuse, those who stand by and watch the abuse and do nothing, and then the perpetrators as well? What have you seen in terms of that? It's easy to get to a point where we think that the victim and the perpetrator are different people, right? Okay. So they all had an upbringing, right? Yeah but there's an action that has changed their positions mm. in, in life, right? One has done wrong and one has been wronged. So, again, going back to understanding how did it get to this point is a, a point for me to then be able to see, okay, the identity of this person who's the perpetrator has been manifested by a family structure that is broken and then the point of someone being a victim has been manifested by wrongs being done to them continually and no one protecting them sure i want to be wild enough to say we also in society groom victims and survivors to see themselves as broken and un unfixable therefore keep quiet you well. know um, okay. So within the way that we look at violence, we also need to look at us as a society as well. How have we gotten here? Yes. And yes. I don't know if I'm still answering the question. No, <laughs> but, 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 but you've raised something that, I mean, I must say, I've never actually heard of before, where we're grooming the victims to continue to think of themselves as victims or as unfixable. Uh, and it, it really speaks a lot to the collective role that we play in terms of the words that we speak over each other, in terms of the types of encouragement that we give to each other. One of our listeners, Nduluma Mwaba, um, spoke about 
something which I want to put on the table, but he also mentions this model guide that you're speaking about, that we need to have a set of tenets in which we vow to respect each other and, and, how, and how we live and treat each other. But he also says this about culture. There are certainly aspects of our culture um, and perhaps each unto his own. We all need to examine as white people, as black people, as colored people, as Indian people, what the aspects are of our cultures, our particular cultures that reflect this, um, uh, you know, this proclivity or tendency towards violence. And in my opinion, it starts with very seemingly innocuous and you know harmless uh, traditional notions that really sit borderline on on a condescending patronizing dismissive attitude towards the woman um, which regards the woman as an accessory of sorts as um, an entity that squares up for the man and and so sort of pads the shores for the man um, and is not an independent, you know, um, human being. And, and that then leads to the idea that if you are frustrated, you know, this is somebody who you can take your frustrations out on. Uh, even as a black person, I have to own the fact that some, some aspects of my culture are beyond redemption. They just need to go. We need to eviscerate those aspects of culture that patronize and that continually subjugate women um and and which which breed a culture and and an atmosphere and environment in which violence becomes the next obvious thing we need to have oaths that we can make covenants that we can make um that are rehearsed and practiced and and committed to in schools and and so on and so forth people need to say i i vow i will not do the following and then the consequence of that is that when when there is violation of those things, we can take seriously the decisions to even public pressure will, will look different in light of someone who violates a vow they made to not touch women and not be violent. So I want to pick us up there. Um, this thing about some of our aspects of our culture just need to go. And... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say my thoughts to this. I'm just going to throw the bomb at you guys and um, hear what you think about that. Like a lot of things, we need to go back to the beginning of it. Um, we need to understand why our culture is the way it is currently because culture doesn't just rock up one day and then, yeah, we are living in culture. <laughs> it <announce> itself. <laughs> no. Um... So culture as well and traditions are things that we have taken and we've seen value in. So we've seen, some of us have seen value in these cultural habits that um, look down upon women. So because we put value on them, we need to then speak to why we valued them. We can't just say that these cultural norms are problematic because of the results of them. We need to say that they're problematic because we value them and we've seen them as something that should exist in our society. Right. Um, so, as, as then um, addressing anything in society that is in a, a, a 
a, a contentious place right now because of it being driven by culture requires us to stop, sit and reflect on why it is that we're removing it and what we're replacing it with. We can't just remove culture to remove it. Very good. Because Very good. we have the power to, and we have the know-how um, to create new normals um, yeah. in our society. And you see it in the way that you're able to do it in your home. You see it in the way that you're able to do it in your office space with your friends. We can't, we shouldn't get to a point where we feel um, overpowered by culture. In, in a space that we work in where there's so many traditions and cultures outworking themselves, we have to always remember as a team what culture we're pushing. And in pushing this culture, we're also very mindful of when, when it comes to the fore with um, it's a clashing point with someone else's views, how do we stand on what we believe in in that difficult time? Um, yes. And as, as a society, the reason why, one of the reasons actually, one of the reasons why um, we're only reactive currently with GBV is because we have a culture of giving up on certain things that are painful. Mm. Um, wow. And I'm, I'm, sure. I'm sorry, it sounds really, sure. really hardcore, and I'm really sorry if I offend anyone. No, yeah. Uh, because, and it's easy for me to say this because I work in the space, because I have to go there every day. You're seeing it firsthand, yeah. But even for myself, I find myself giving up at times on certain things mm. because it's so difficult. Because you live in a, in a space where it's, it's, it's very few people fighting to go against something. And we're going against something that stands strong. It is very rooted. Violence sure. is very rooted in South Africa and in Africa as a whole. Um, so if we are going to address the topic of culture, we need to create a culture where we stand and we stand strong. And we believe in a value system that allows us to stand strong. Mm. Um, because then we will find ourselves constantly being swayed by the fruits of the tree and not the root. Beautiful words to end on. Yaku? Um, I think Beverly should probably apologize if she didn't defend you. Because <laughs> I think it's time that we start doing that. So we start, if we're going to turn the tides on this, we have to start turning tables. We, we have to start getting to a place where we have this. And I love that comment. I mean, I was thinking, you know, I'm about to throw a match into dry wood here. Glad your listener did that already. Um, I do agree. I think at the, at the core, um, you know, uh, all cultures have a level of corrupt yuckiness to them that, um, that, that is just causing this. And if, if anyone in our country can right now come and tell me that, you know, or want to try and tell me that their culture is the one that's fixing this. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not. Um, <laughs> okay, it's a mess. Sure, absolutely. Um, what we're also sure. not doing is, and we, we're not thinking about this because, again, um, we, we like to do as little as possible about this. I like to ignore the issues here. So I don't know, sit down, take a cup of coffee, and, and really think through this. No. If we talk about culture, the definition of culture is the social behavior, the interactions of a people group. Well, as a people group in our country right now, we've got a culture of violence, abuse, ignoring yep. things. Mm. I mean, the stats are horrific. Yeah. Um, 
That's our culture. So before we get to, oh, this is my culture and I'm trying to find my identity in that, I should look at the prevailing culture of our country before I even start dealing with yes. my own culture. And that is the prevailing culture right now. Yes. We are, um, we are in a, and, and you know, part of that's also the vocabulary where men need to start taking part in because we're not living in a country where a woman is raped every five minutes. Mm. We live in a country where a man is raping a woman every five minutes. Sure. Where eight men are killing our mothers, our daughters every day. That is the country we're living in. Mm. And if we want to change that culture, and I, I agree with that, what Billy said there, we, we need to, you know, if we look at this thing about culture, is, is it, we have to, we have to like clean the table here and start from scratch if we want to fix this. And the only way we're going to do that is to put something in the space there because a vacuum creates chaos. So we, we chuck this off the table. Let's chuck the, this culture of violence, abuse, ignoring stuff, just getting over things, riding the wave until it's the next one. Let's chuck it off the table. And for us, it's just, again, coming back to a very simple thing. Replace it with a culture of values, a culture of mentorship. If we can get to a place where, again, I'm talking from, from the point of view where men are so absent, if we create a space where we can mentor each other, be accountable to each other, teach each other responsibility in that space where every interaction comes out of a space of caring because that's what I'm called to do, and then that becomes the culture, then then we help each other, we fix that for each other, but we also, the very next person that looks up to us, they see something different, they see something that want to change. And if we get the tipping point right, then that becomes the, 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 the culture that fixes things, if we can get to understand. Um, and so that, that, that should be our focus. Powerful. I, I know we, I mean, we've just, we started scratching the surface and we, we need to continue having these conversations. But I really want to thank both of you for the perspectives that you've brought today and the value that you've added to this conversation. What I've really appreciated about this conversation today, and you've both expressed it so adequately, it's, it's not a one person's problem. There's no single group that's going to um, eradicate. Or, I mean, one listener even said we don't think we'll ever eradicate it. I really want to make a faith statement against that, that if collectively, if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a society to eradicate the scourge of gender-based violence. And mm. thank mm. you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Give your brand a voice with Audio Audacious. For podcasting, IVR, and audio content solutions, check us out at audiodacious.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. To support the incredible work of these organizations, check out thecharactercompany.co.za and Lawyers Against Abuse at lva.org.za. As I said, it was an episode with a difference. And next episode will return with a listener question again. But please keep your comments and questions coming to Hungry Women at Work on Instagram or on our WhatsApp line at plus two seven. Six zero nine two one six nine seven seven. Also, subscribe to our channel on iTunes, Iono FM, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Till next time, keep thriving at work without losing your soul. <laughs>